being an educator, I find myself frequently depressed about what seems to me to be a change in education. When I went to college, I, you know, I just went to see what college would have to offer. I would take my classes and get excited about things that I had never heard of before or thought of. And, you know, I developed a love of literature, a love of, of philosophy. There was all this fascinating stuff out there, right? And it wasn't aimed at, you know, how will this get me a job that will get me promoted, that will get me to, right? It closes off the possibility. It doesn't even suggest to people, well, find something you're passionate about and then develop that. Or it doesn't ask you to be kind of self-exploratory. You, you know, you think you know what you want and you go for it and then it's not what you want. And, and that, I think, can create a, a crisis of meaning. So what I would like is to be able to turn the public discourse around from that and, you know, kind of encourage people to step back and, and ask questions about what would make my life worth living earlier in the day and approach their opportunities in that spirit. We should say we're talking about two papers by Susan Wolf. There's the later paper, which was published in 2016, so actually pretty recently, uh, it's called Two Concepts of Rule Utilitarianism. And then there's another paper called The Role of Rules. Um, and that was published earlier, but I think in 2002 it was published in, originally. Um, and I don't know, like I, there's a sense, I don't, I, I don't know, this might like, I, there's kind of a sense in which the two papers have a little bit of conflict right in the sense that in the earlier paper um she did kind of explicitly not endorse a uh, a straightforward consequentialist or utilitarian approach to rules but then defends rule utilitarianism in the later paper of a certain type right yeah yeah so i don't know i mean i think that's going to be kind of interesting um Maybe I can maybe I can say something real quick about like the point of both of the papers. I um oh <laughs> do you, okay. Do you remember uh do you remember when we read Asymmetrical Freedom? And I remember this distinctly because Adam, you and I both had the experience of like reading the paper for the first time. And I remember both of us talking about the fact that we didn't really know like almost what was going on or like what the point of it was until like the explosion <laughs> four fifths away into the paper. Yes, yes. That that it wasn't as intense, obviously, because because like that was a volcano eruption. Um, but didn't you didn't you kind of feel the same thing with the the role of rules uh, paper a little bit where it was sort of like, you know, I kind of, you know, I got what she was saying. I got what she was saying. I didn't, I didn't think anything was like crazy, but then on one page towards the end, I have like the entire page highlighted where she's just like, whoa, whoa, just reconception of like, even like morality in general, not like, let alone uh, the rule of rules. I didn't get that as much, but I'd be happy to get it on. Okay. 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 I mean? nice. yeah, so yeah. I, cause it was actually the second one I read. So, okay. um, you know, I, I guess I, I, I had read two concepts of role utilitarianism first. Same. So I felt just like, I don't know, I suppose, I guess, reading that one first, I felt like I was kind of like in dialogue with the topic already. Hmm. So I don't know. So maybe maybe some of the things like some of the parts of the conclusion I either missed or felt kind of came more naturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. 
So, um, okay, may, maybe I'll just say I'll say my little like blurbs about about what each paper's aims are. Um, so, in in two concepts of rule utilitarianism, Wolf's defending a type of rule utilitarianism um, conceived under the lens of providing rules of practice as opposed to rules of thumb. Uh, so she's like largely responding to this one philosopher, J.J.C. Smart's criticism of rule utilitarianism. And his criticism is pretty simple, but it's pretty good, actually. It is. Good, um, it's a very, very good criticism. It's a, yeah, it's a really good like. So, so basically, his criticism is that if you think what justifies an act is the utility it produces, how is it ever more than rule worship to stick to a moral rule that does not maximize utility, even though we have that like kind of have that like intuitive pull to do so? Um, so Wolf thinks that conceiving of morality as a practice allows us three defenses of obeying rules that do not maximize uh, utility. Um, and basically, I mean, we can talk about those in a second, but yeah, morality as a practice allows for these sort of more personal ends to be incorporated. Um, I, I mean, since we're already talking about that, like, let's, let's just continue talking about it. I, uh, so I've actually, um, I've always been drawn. I remember having conversations with with you specifically, Adam, in college about rule utilitarianism, and I've always been drawn to it, but I've never been able to defend why it doesn't collapse into act utilitarianism because I just didn't know. Like, I just, I don't know. You know, I was drawn to it, but like, you can't read everything. So, sure, um, of course. But this this is actually like very interesting in that sense. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I mean do we so oh, you know what we should say just at the top for any of us to like as a reminder but also for the listeners um a few basic definitions to get on the table so utilitarianism is the moral theory that basically just states that at sort of like the 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 bottom like the rock bottom of the um of the of the uh moral theory is the idea that what is good to do is maximize pleasure and minimize pain in general right um and uh, there's two, there's kind of, there's always been two different ways of being a utilitarian. You can be a rule utilitarian or an act utilitarian. And basically those break down in the sense that um, you can take it on an act by act basis. So like whatever individual act would produce the most uh, utility is the right thing to do. But then there's sort of a more abstracted version of it, which is rule util uh, utilitarianism, which states that you should follow whatever rule in general produces the most utility. Um, and as you say, like smarts, smarts um, criticism is that, okay, it's actually, it's very, it's very underhanded in how good it is actually. It's like, okay, well, if you think that what justifies a, an act or a rule rather is it's, proclivity to produce good consequences like produce utility then on what basis could you could you resist violating a rule if violating the rule just produced more utility like you you don't have if you're going to say that one is right on that basis you can't say that the other is right but um this sets us up with like really kind of um squeam we're very squeamish about like accepting a lot of the um a lot of the kind of reductios to that like there's the the deathbed promise there's the scapegoat and there's the organ donation one i mean people have heard of like all of these but yeah i i, I like the scapegoat one the best because it does like violate like, like there's some very strong intuitions there like 
if you could just if you could just prosecute someone you knew you were innocent to quell the mob like would you do it <laughs> and like the the intuition is that like you know, like you really don't want to do it but like if you're a rule utilitarian or if you're a utilitarian in general like on what basis do you do you have to resist it um i don't know sorry that i i, I realize i've been rambling for a while but like i don't know giffen what did you, what did you think of this paper in general like uh both smarts response and then how i mean we'll get into it but like how satisfying did you find wolf's reply um i really liked uh smart's response and Mm. i kind of liked wolf's response (laughs) i mean it's it's clearly within a theme that that i'm kind of only lukewarm on so like i i'm i thought it was like good but you know it's in into an overall kind of structure that i'm only you know warm on so yeah no it was good though i really enjoyed the paper I was gonna say that totally tracks like your uh, your niche for the for the series so far. I, like, I mean, not, yeah, not a bad you know, way. This yeah. this like Wolf is all the way through like every single thing we read. Like, you, there are some like strong trends. So, oh yeah, no, it's honestly you can't, it's you can't like read yeah. this and think like it's anyone other than Wolf writing this. No, there's so, no way. It, she is pure Wolf. She shows up so powerfully in every paper she writes. It's crazy. And every, I don't know about you guys, but like every single paper. I've seen every other paper show up in like a- every time so far. Yeah. It's like, 100%. It's, it's There's wa- a super structure. It's like, wild. She, yeah. she could have just written like a 500 page, like kind of super book. And, you know, it would be as coherent as like all these small papers are just because it's, they're so strong of through lines. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Um, what, what did you guys think about the, what'd you guys think about the two different concepts of rules? Um, so there's like, rules of thumb and then rules of practice or or practice rules so basically like i'm just making i'm trying to make sure i understood this correctly um Here, let's go to the page on that one. yeah so it's it never hurts to read it again of course so. so it's page 128 but that's that's where it's like you see how there are pages on the side i do yeah. like the, okay yeah um so she's saying a few like a few Uh, lines into that she says specifically Rawls showed us that while many rules can be understood as rules of thumb offering general advice about how to behave based on statistical prediction of what patterns of action are likely to be optimistic other rules have a different logical status these other rules Rawls labels practice rules because they are rules that partly constitute the practices they concern so i i loved the game analogy throughout this too by the way um she says games offer good examples of practice rules since games are typically defined by sets of rules that specify what moves can be made in what circumstances what counts as winning and losing in short how to play so i mean yeah basically i'm also understanding it like okay so so there's kind of like two almost varieties of rules of thumb like i i almost think she should say something different than rules of thumb in a way because it's also like if you're a strict utilitarian it's not even like a rule of thumb it's like the rule of the fist like what whatever you know whatever maximizes utility is the right thing to do um right like is that is that how you're reading it as well yeah okay yeah. okay um but she basically so she uses that distinction to say that okay well there's sort of two parallel conceptions of morality right um there's morality 
as a point of view, which mm-hmm. is congruent or, or, or analogous to the, um, the rules of thumb. So basically, right, morality as a point of view is the idea that like, you, you've heard the, she uses it on paper, but I, I feel like you've heard of it before. Um, <clears throat> we say like, from the point of view of morality or like the moral point of view, you ought to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so basically like, I, I take it that like mor- morality as a point of view is basically just like this if then chart for actions, right? So you, it's like an algorithm in the sense that you plug in the details of the situation from the moral point of view, you get like a, a decision that maximizes utility, right? Like it's just, yeah. it's, it's pretty yeah. simple in that sense. Okay. Okay. Um, and then <clears throat> she, and then she draws the analogy between rules of practice and morality as a practice. And Okay, this is what I wanted to kind of get into. So, so this is under the section where she says morality is a practice. Uh, it's the second paragraph. She says, um, as an alternative, we may think of morality as a practice, that is, as a loose and informal institution, itself perhaps embracing some smaller sub-institutions constituted by a set of rules that specify offices, roles, moves, penalties, defenses, and so on. So she, she kind of moves on to say like, okay, but okay, what's the point of the practice? Like, what are the goals or the functions of this practice? And she says that an answer that readily comes to mind is to promote the common good, or more specifically to bring about the greatest good for the greatest numbers. That has like a very utilitarian bend to it, right? Um, point of view of the universe, best rules in every case. Okay, so basically, okay, so here's how I'm ex- understanding this. And uh, like, I want to hear if you guys agree. So she's basically saying, okay, in a very wolf style, like this fits with everything we've read, obviously, but like morality as a practice is far more broad and far more messy than just like maximizing one value, right? And I think that, I think this shows up a lot in her, like the the earlier paper too, the, the role of rules. Um, but <clears throat> she she's she's basically saying that like if if we identify morality as a practice it's like it, it i i don't know i think the okay the analogy to the game is like important actually um so when we're playing a game i don't know okay like i here's a question like do you think the analogy to the game is a good one or not because like I'm thinking, like Adam, I know you're like really into chess, right? And it, isn't it the case that like whenever you play chess, like I've seen you, like you and Trey play it on the like the computer version, sure. And it always shows you like what what the optimific move would have been, right? You could know that, yeah. You could, okay, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Well, in this scenario, let's just say you can know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, because I'm just thinking, so so there's not like a plurality of ways to play the game. In the sense that, like, if you want to be like optimistically rational, you would always do like the best possible move, right? And that that sort of looks utilitarian almost in nature, right? But- yeah, yeah, I, I, I would, I would say so. I, I would say that like there are only certain moves that are best. So yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's precisely like even if there are even if there are more than one moves that are best, it's because yeah. they're both equally best. Like that's not a yeah. counter, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. not a counterexample. So like that that way of playing the game is that seems like it's actually a better analogy to the morality as a point of view. But then I'm also thinking about like something like Settlers of Catan, and maybe that's what she's thinking about. Not maybe that game, but like she uses bridge as an example, but actually, I I have no idea how that game works. So I, I just not a clue. Yeah. I, I don't even know. Like I don't even know. Uh, like I was, the, I, I like was actually the, very upset that she chose bridge. I know, I know. So okay, so <laughs> yeah. What what if we say it's Settlers of Catan, where it's okay. like, where it's like, um, okay, so the goal is to win, right? And that's all of our goals. But within that, there's like many different ways you can win, and there's also sort of like. And I, and I think she would also importantly say like, okay, there, there are, like she says this at one point, I don't remember where in the paper it was, but she was just like, um, it's also the case that the set of rules that define what to do are also the set of rules that constitute like the game you're playing, right? So it's sort of, I don't know, there's like this weird way in which like, I, it's like, I, I don't know, did you guys get this experience too? Like whenever you're learning a new game, it, it's, it's actually like really demeaning if someone tells you what the point of the game is if they're if they've explained the rules right so like okay so if they say like okay in order to win like you need 10 points in Catan and you can get those 10 points through like a variety of methods and then like imagine they turn to you and be like so you want to get 10 points like do you like, you'd be like yeah I got it <laughs> yeah yeah so I and so there's something in that analogy that's making me think like okay is is like is wolf pointing to the fact that yeah like within moral life like when you understand the set of rules that comprise moral life like in understanding the rules those constitute like the aim as well is that is that supposed to be the analogy that she's drawing i don't know i'm gonna be honest it's it's a bit lost on me yeah like this distinction like i feel like i understand it's outside of the game aspect Okay. Like, she just straight up like defines like mm. uh, like the rules and then brought them up later the the, uh, the two different types two different like, types uh, of rules oh yeah, yeah 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 like rules of thumb yeah or in this case like practice rules like i feel like i understand what she's saying but mm-hmm. i don't i don't see the analogies much with the game i think that's probably my fault but i just like i don't know yeah. no i mean i kind of felt the same way i think the game analogy made it a little bit more confusing than just like defining the types of rules Hmm. i'm just i am just trying to think about like i don't know because because there was something that struck me as like so something struck me as right but it was definitely more intuitive and less like explicitly cognitive um because like a practice rule like in the game it's like okay so let's draw the analogy help me out here it's like a practice rule in the game let's is go with chess not bridge <laughs> no no, no stay, stay with Catan. yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. that, i'm sorry yeah okay so like in Catan, like okay a practice rule is you've got to roll two dice on your turn mm. like yeah, yeah. Like, like you have to roll two dice like that's, that's <laughs> yeah. how the game's played yeah but like a rule of thumb could be you know it's good to try to get a port mm-hmm. yeah it's good to try to get a port or yeah. it's good to concentrate on these certain resources early yeah. in the game. Or, or like that, if you have resources yeah. build a road, then you should mm. build a road. 
yeah or yeah, yeah or even like, like or even like i i feel like even like the more kind of like brute utilitarian would even say just like at the core it's like it's good to get more points like that that's like the bait the most basal you can get right yeah yeah uh a, a rule of thumb it's good to get more points that which maximizes points is good something like that that okay okay yeah yeah okay okay i like that construction yeah, yeah. okay so so those are all kind is of that a rule of thumb or is that more macro I was thinking about that until he rephrased it, which is more so like broadly of any of the rules of thumb, that which maximizes points is good. Because rules of thumb are like heuristics, right? They're, they're yeah. sort of just saying, okay, if something either tends to or does lead to more points, it's the thing you should do in the sense of like, you know. Yeah, I mean, though, you, a rule of thumb would be like an example of that, but you kind of stated like the broad idea mm. of it, which seems to be more analogous to like a conception of morality rather than a conception of that, That's why I said it should, she should have said, like the rule of thumb is actually like linguistically misleading from what she, I think. Like that's why I was joking, like it should be called like the rule of the fist because it's like in, in like moral system, like if you're a utilitarian, it is just straight up like that, which maximizes utility is the right thing to do. So the heuristic, I like, okay, if you're a rule utilitarian, it makes sense to have rules of thumb rules that tend to maximize utility. Right. But it's always the same aim. Right. So you could, so, okay. In settlers of Catan, then it would be okay. Like a rule of thumb would be like, you ought to build roads. Because like road, like roads, there's no way in which roads don't translate in general as a rule to like maximizing points, right? That that is that the analogy? It's like a good rule of thumb, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, oh, I okay. I actually think this has clicked for me. But like, okay, but rules of practice aren't going to be like that. The rules of practice are going to be like what Adam said. Like, okay, every you turn you dice. start with, yeah, rolling two yeah. dice. So it's like, okay, rules of practice actually like define the practice of the game. Exactly. Yeah, when exactly. you roll a seven, exactly. then, you know, yes, a series of actions yes. are and, and the rules of thumb are more of um, like, like, like just to achieve the aim. The yeah. Aim. How do you achieve the aim? Yes. Yes. The game in that yes. Case. Like, it, yes. Or the moral system in the analogy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. 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 okay that makes like sense. How to, how to play the game versus how to win the game. Or how yes. That's actually that. Yeah. That's actually a really good way yeah. to put it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So okay. So like I, okay. So I understand that like in the context of games. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's now draw the analogy that she's trying to draw. Okay. Yes. So like I understand this. Yes. Okay. So here's how I'm seeing this. Okay. If you view morality as a practice, that is viewing morality as a, a, as a system of rules that defines that defines like the practice of morality for lack of a better term. So basically um as opposed to if you view morality as um a point of view, that is all about like a rule informing you what you should do as opposed to what rules do in morality as a practice, which is constitute like what moral life means essentially. Right. So let me see if I can find like a good quote from the, 
because yeah, I, I don't like, know because I because I want the, the the direct analogy to be drawn yes. so like like yes in terms of morality like what are mm-hmm. my practice goals? So okay, just to gauge your your guys's like um, perspective right now, I think I understand the analogy to morality as a point of view. I think I need to get more clear on morality as a practice, what that means. Okay, I, yeah, that's exactly what I want drilled okay, out. Okay, okay, okay. I read okay, the paper, all, admittedly, once through, but I, I, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't exactly sure what morality as a practice yeah. meant. So. Okay, okay. Um, can, can I, um, I don't know what this quote is, but I have it highlighted. Maybe I'll just read it. Um, Page. This, in the morality as a practice section, one, two, three, four paragraphs down, three lines in. Um, so she says, if one identifies the moral point of view with what Sidgwick called the point of view of the universe, or alternatively, one assumes that morality is a practice with the aim of fostering the common good, one will get the same answers about what the morally best rules are in every case. When we ask about the moral status of individual actions, however, our answers will sometimes diverge. Okay, let me read that again just to make sure I understand it. Okay. If one identifies the moral point of view with what Sidgwick called the point of view of the universe. Okay, so like that kind of like impersonal morality, that algorithm is going to like spit out an answer at you, right? Or alternatively, one assumes that morality is a practice with the aim of fostering the common good. So that more pluralistic view, one will get the same answers about what the morally best rules are in every case. When we ask about the moral status of individual actions, however, our answers will sometimes diverge. As we have already seen, when we think about morality as a point of view, we must assess the moral rightness of individual actions by the same standards we apply to the assessment of rules. If we are, in addition, utilitarians, then the right action will be the action that maximizes utility, even if, the, if, even if this involves knowingly violating the morally right rules. Okay, this seems important. But if we think of morality as a practice, then the question of what action is morally right is analogous to the question of what card to play in bridge or what verdict to deliver in court. It must refer to and abide by the rules that constitute the practice. Okay, so she's saying like, Okay, when, when she uses the court analogy, okay, like a rule of court or like a rule that constitutes the practice of court in like the legal system is that if the defendant, if you believe the defendant is innocent, you must issue that verdict, right? Like that, that's a rule that like constitutes law as a practice. And then if you're looking at that from the utilitarian rule of thumb perspective, you should say the verdict that you uh, deliver should be the one that maximizes good conse- good utility, right? Or good utility, just utility. Um, and she's saying, okay, like I, I understand. I, I think I'm understanding the distinction there at least more, right? Like, and she's. I think she wants to. I think she wants to defend the idea that morality is a practice, such that oh shit, okay, is this is this her point? She's trying to say that. Morality is a practice that if you look at it through that like kind of singular valued way that act utilitarianism does, um, you just, she's saying like you destroy the practice itself because like, what does it mean to have a legal system if 
the verdicts just maximize utility. If it's not about like who's guilty and who's innocent, but whether or not convicting an innocent person will satisfy the mob. Is, is, is she trying to make the point that like, if you actually like subvert the legal system and ground it in like a utility maximization, you no longer have a legal system. Like when you do things that are practices and you evaluate the maneuvers within those practices according to one value like one external value then you destroy the practice itself yeah right i mean would the institution even survive like is it utility maximizing to have a court system like- mm, no because, because i think she's going to disagree with that way of looking at it right because what where, where is this is actually in the other paper um this is in the role of the role of rules she says there's a utilitarian response i don't have this verbatim but like doesn't she say there's a way that utilitarians can respond to these concerns by saying like um institutions are good insofar as they maximize utility but that's not like that that's a way of like reframing it right she i think she's trying to make like a sharper divide there right Hmm. Because like initially I had that thought too, Giffen, where it's like, okay, but can't can't a utilitarian just say like, well, we should follow like you could imagine like we should follow the legal practices because they tend to produce good consequences, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, but then she's going to bring up smarts smarts objection and just say, okay, but if that's your basis, then why wouldn't you like if I tell you though that convicting the innocent will satisfy the mob? Why, if that's, if your basis is maximizing utility and that's why the law is good in the first place, why don't you do it in this case? Right. Hmm. Yeah. I, this, this definitely has me kind of, I don't like, like which practices do we value? Like I, like it's got to abide by, like must refer to and abide by the rules that constitute the practice. I mean, what if you're, someone that operate uh, operates like in the financial system Mm -hmm. and like you know you have like a duty to your shareholders Mm -hmm. right like does that is that not like the aim of the practice is to like deliver a you know uh, um like you know a return on investment like is that not like the whole game like is you know what i mean so yeah and and isn't that so, so isn't this exactly what Smart rep- would reply to what I just said on Wolf? So it's the paragraph that I just read. It's the next one down. Yeah. Smart, Smart says, but why should you do what's morally right? If the stakes are high enough, it may be more rational and even more admirable to cheat at cards or like Adam in your example to like violate your duty to the shareholders, right? Or like yeah. in the legal example to, um, uh, to, to prosecute the innocent person, right? Okay. Um, she re- she rephrases the question, I think, in the next paragraph. She says, how can it be rational at once to support the practice of morality whose goal you recognize as promoting the common good, but not support an action that violates the practice if it is clear that this case will promote the common good by violating the practice? Okay, so she's, so Smart's like re-upping the, the critique there, right? Okay, <laughs> Let's see. Let's see what Wolf responds with. Okay. In on the next page, uh, the second paragraph, she she responds, um, Smart's challenge applied to the practice of bridge, but let's just assume that it's like, you know, um, practice of law or whatever. Um, 
amounts to something like the question, how can it be rational to support the game of bridge on the grounds that it is fun and intellectually challenging and yet not support breaking the rules of bridge when doing so would be more fun and challenging? But this question has a number of possible and plausible answers. If I so what I just read was okay, she's like she's asking she, smarts challenge phrased in the context of her analogy to a board game, right? And then she's responding to that by saying, um, uh, there's okay, there's many plausible answers. If I'm just trying to get peacefully through a weekend with my in-laws, for example, the safest bet would be to play the game straight, even if it does not maximize or even or even our aggregate fun uh and intellectual challenge. Um and I and I <laughs> okay, I I I I wrote I wrote right under in the next paragraph, I actually wrote, I expected more than this, to be honest, because she says, um, she says this, I might mention, for example, that it would be an abuse of my authority, or that it would be a gross violation of the defendant's moral and legal rights. This is back to the law analogy. Mm -hmm. Or I might point out that if it should come to light that I knowingly convicted an innocent man, I would be disbarred and disgraced. And that is a chance I'm not willing to take. Like that, I I I don't even think she concludes on that, but like I, I thought that was such a weak reason to like I had the same thing. Cause, yeah. cause I, like, me too, actually. I think we all kind of read that paragraph. Yeah, because because yeah. I read that and I was like, that is not gonna convince a utilitarian at all. He's gonna be like <laughs> I, I was I was yeah, talking. So, yeah. No, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You were talking? We okay, we have to revisit this paper because did you I referenced it several times already, but like do you remember the Bernard Williams paper where he critiques um utilitarianism, but like theories of morality in a larger way by saying like it violates the integrity of the individuals. I, I remember George the chemist and the um and the other person uh who like it, it's been did I not say this before? Like the guy who encounters the population of natives and uh, has to like kill one yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I was just getting a blank look. Um, I, I, I was talking about that with, with, um, with Luis, uh, the normative epistemologist um, that I, I have a class for. And he was like, he was like, um, it was, I was cracking up because he was like, he, he was like I, I, he's like i don't understand what like williams is on about there he's like he's like he's like he's like no like you don't get to just say like well i'm gonna refrain from doing the right thing just because like it would make me feel bad or like it would violate my integrity it's like no like you have to do the right thing there so i'm imagining that response like applied to this argument from wolf like the utility <laughs> like the utilitarian just gonna be like what are you talking about like if it's the right thing to do like the chance yeah. of you being disbarred and disgraced like if that's factored into the utility calculus like you don't get to say no to that yeah i mean <laughs> that was like a um a more hyperbolic um mm -hmm. kind of example of like how i kind of felt throughout like wolf papers um and I'll say like so in the beginning of this section, morale. Well, I've I've never felt that until this particular exhibit. I was yeah, like I much more softly. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's slanderous to say. That. <laughs> I said it was a hyperbolic <laughs> example. You're telling me you're telling me you felt that deflated feeling for every one of her encounter examples. I certainly haven't. It's oh no no! <laughs> Just like. <laughs> This 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 slight doubt you have in this paper, this is persistent through all of them. 
with it? I'm, I'm just messing with him. No, I'm just messing around. <laughs> yeah, no, I got it. Um, so it's I don't fun know. to pretend you despise her work. Just <laughs> <laughs> secretly seething moment before we start. <laughs> Not another one. <laughs> I'm no. sorry. What were you saying? Um, so I, I went back to like the beginning of morality as a practice. This mm-hmm. is how I read it. Is like I had to keep reading, um, this section where it's like. We might think of morality as a practice that is a loose and informal institution. Um, and then, like, she gives, like, examples that into the game analogy. Yeah, K- kind so of I, like the institution of law, right? Like, that's the analogy she's yes. trying to draw. So okay. What, okay. So there's two kind of observations that, have, that I think tie into this. Is like, I think this kind of um, take on morality seems to kind of, like, lower morality a bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically taking, I mean, from what I gather, it's taking the um similar stance to like her previous papers where it's kind of like mm. it's not a superstructure it's one of our structures it's it's metaphysically it's one... lowering it yeah yes 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 so within that <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> i just loved the example of where she's like um well anyways we talked about that but so that was like one of the observations but like i don't know did you guys like i basically wrote down like if you kind of view morality as like kind of a social institution that's kind of designed to address our reality where we don't have certainty. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of like what an argument she's making? Cause that's like how I could conceive of it, but I just like, it didn't got lost in the game analogy a bit for me. Given, I, I, I kind of had a similar viewpoint actually to you. I'm not sure this is what she was saying, but like whenever I read that section, I kind of read a very similar where I was like, okay, like if morality in the sense is like the game, like, like what is the aim of the game? From like mm. a utilitarian okay to maximize pleasure minimize pain okay yeah. so that's like the overall aim of the game um when we don't have the it, algorithm that like the chess yeah, we, exactly we, we we don't have perfect knowledge of you know yeah. uh, specific things one can do so it's more of like rules of thumb um so i i read it as differently than that because i think because I think the problem Wolf would say with that defense is that okay, but then smarts it, that doesn't address smarts reply like uh, original um, uh, like objection at all, right? Because if you granted that we did know, you yeah. would yeah. still be right. So I, I I read it as slightly differently, where it's so I liked I I read it too as there's a social aspect going on, but I removed the uncertainty from it because I don't know I. I always think like epistemic challenges are kind of bad to bring into these sorts of papers because you can always just flip it around and say, but if we did know that, like that, like, yeah. And she does actually, like I wrote down, this is um, the third paragraph in on this page. I like have super bold. It's like, given that you will do more good by convincing the man in like this. Yeah. So like once you're in that space, but I don't know the the way she described it, like at the very beginning of the section, that's kind of what it felt like to me. Like it's a practical, I mean, yeah. as a practice almost implies like a kind of a practical mm-hmm. purpose. Right. So, okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. I'm, I'm maybe, maybe the structure of the paper actually is relevant to the content of her argument in the sense that, okay, I wonder if I've been reading this wrong in the sense of like, okay, m- maybe here's what she's doing in the paper. Right. She's saying, okay, if you view morality as a practice instead of a um, um, uh, uh, morality as a point of view, just spot me that. And then if, if you do that, then all of these good things follow. 
And because those good things fall, so we haven't gotten to like those good things yet, but maybe the point of the paper is supposed to be, if you find that these conclusions of switching how you view morality are are sound, like you you buy them, then those give you reasons to switch your view of it. I did. Maybe she's not making an argument that like it's more. You could imagine like, well, it's more parsimonious to like flip your view from one way to another, or it's more like theoretically congruent with something else. Like the style of argument seems to be: here's two concepts. We have intuitions that match the point of view concept but what if we viewed it this way what would follow from that and if those are good then we should keep that point of view and so then that means we should talk about the three things that she thinks would result from that right i'm so sorry i so so let, let's go like a little more concrete here okay. so let, let, let's go with like the the doctor example okay. right where, where like yes where, so what is her approach to that? What, what, how, how does, how does she yeah. salvage, um, you know, kind of following, you know, just rules of the profession, rules of expectations that we have as a society, uh, yes. instead of following a purely hardline utilitarian you know, perspective? Yeah. Like, how does that Okay. Happen? Okay. So here's how I think she's doing that. She's saying, you're the doctor. There's two perspectives you can view this from, right? There's the point of view of, of morality, like the cold yeah. calculating utilitarian approach of an act type, right? That says like, you basically just read Smart's argument and you go, yeah, he's right. And so you kill the one patient or whatever and do the others, right? Mm -hmm. She's going to say, there's another point of view through which you can view this, right? There's the point of view of, of morality as a practice, and a subset of morality as a practice is how morality shows up in all of these different domains, right? So there's, you know, can show up differently in like the legal system, can show up differently in the medical system, right? So part of how part of how uh, morality shows up in the medical system is that we have bought this set of rules that constitute the medical practice. Now, those rules include a lot of things, but in this scenario, a relevant rule is that you don't kill a patient that, you know, has nothing oh, wrong with period. them. But well, like <laughs> what, what, what undergirds those rules? Well, that's, that's, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, okay. Yeah. So she's saying there's, so we need to talk about that, which we haven't yet, because okay. I think that I read this initially, like you guys did too. And it just, it's starting to kind of click for me, maybe potentially where she's not saying she's not offering like a priori reasons to switch views. She's saying switch views and then see what follows. And he, so here's what follows. This is on um, uh, the next section where she's, it's called uh, the practice conception of rule utilitarianism defended. Okay. The next pair, the second paragraph or whatever she says, um, uh, here's how, so here's how she's answering smarts challenge to say, why not kill the one patient? Right. She's saying from the point of view of morality as a practice, one that here's a defense one that strikes me as plausible and attractive involves the idea that to take it upon oneself to subvert the practice of morality by choosing that a certain person die for the sake of the greater good would be to set oneself up as special or better than others with respect to one's knowledge and authority for what one is contemplating is the violation of a rule that as a practitioner of morality one would not allow others to violate 
Okay, so that's the first one. Here, here's how I think we should talk about these three reasons. Let's talk about them on their own merits for a second, because I think we're all actually somewhat confused about the two points of view. Is that is that fair? Like, what do we think? Yeah, and I, yes. I don't love reason one. I don't know. If, I don't know if you have similar issues with reason one, but I think they're going to be the same as you. Doesn't she kind of backtrack a little bit with with the kind of you just kind of flapped me on a point which was a fair point on your part, but then mm. she kind of she kind of actually does what I just accused her of doing, right? Because it's like R- remind me what that was. Well, she she says, okay, well, one way you could approach this is that you know you kind of set yourself apart or above, you know, others in a sense by making this decision without having perfect knowledge of the situation. And it's like, Mm -hmm. well, what I think the more interesting question is that we do have knowledge of the situation, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're not, we're not Mm -hmm. talking about a situation here in which there is ambiguity of whether one's action would lead to greater happiness or, or pleasure mm-hmm. in like, my suffering. Like, oh, okay. So you're okay. If I'm understanding you correctly, do you, do you're you saying you're you're saying okay. Wait. So so pretend like Wolf never said the thing about being found out as like a as like a violator of the because because that that's yeah. just bad. Like let's pretend she never said that, right? Because that because yeah. that that's just a bad reason. Um, you're okay. If I understand your response then to her first point, you're saying no. I actually would be okay with someone doing that if it was, in fact, the thing that maximized utility. Yeah, I, I'm certainly starting to think that way a little more. Okay, I'm, okay. Not, I'm not wedded to that position, but I certainly think that that's an irrelevant statement on her part to say okay. that there's like some ambiguity to like. Was that okay? So there was no. I I think there, where, there's where no. Exactly, were you reading again there? Because it's. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. So this is the. This is. I don't know if it's the a different paragraph or the continuation of the first, but there's no, I don't think that this reason had anything to do with ambiguity. I think this reason had to do with page right before 137, mm. right before 137. She yeah, says, yeah. okay, I'll just read it again. Okay. Here's a reason. Uh, uh, so, so to take it upon oneself, oneself to subvert the practice of morality by choosing that a certain person die for the sake of greater good would be to set oneself up as special or better than others with respect to one's knowledge and authority. For what one is contemplating is the violation of a rule that, as a practitioner of morality, one would not allow others to violate. I think the thing that she's pointing there to is the fact that you wouldn't allow, if you're drawn to this yourself, it's it's like okay but you're not thinking about the fact that you would not allow other people to violate this rule and adam i took you to be saying no i would if it was the right thing to do i think the ambiguity i, I don't think that this point had much to do with ambiguity it, it did a little bit because it's saying you know you could be accused of thinking oneself better than others with respect mm-hmm. to one's knowledge and authority but it's like in the situation we're describing, like for the knowledge aspect, we're saying like in this scenario, you do know yes. that it would maximize you, you know, utility. Where it, it's but it's others, like, yeah, it's it's not you know some some false sense. It's it's not as though you could be wrong or that you have perfect knowledge. Like in mm-hmm. this situation, like we're assuming like you know. I I yeah. So she's saying okay you know that this would be the right thing to do 
and someone else also like you know someone else is in the position to be the doctor they also know it's the right thing to do she th- seems to think that just people in general are okay with them violating the rules but not others and that doesn't really make any sense because from the moral perspective we should all be equal i think though if i knew yeah this seems to only yeah. make sense if like the actor is the one with perfect knowledge and the others in the social situation don't which is just kind of strange no i i think it's different than that i like i I think her point is like remove knowledge from it both people know like both people know and and actually i'm also agreeing with you guys and that i think it's a it's not a great reason but i just think that we're like i think that i think the way to do it is don't don't hinge it on like knowledge of what's right or wrong grant that both people equally know that's why it shouldn't have knowledge it should just have authority yes i okay yeah i agree she made made linguistic yes i agree she's making linguistic mistakes with this paper in some ways um yeah so it so it comes down to authority if so if both people know um hmm. which behavior maximizes utility um just one person have the authority to make that decision. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's much less intuitive. Um, I t- yes, I which I I'm saying I yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah, like it it like if you told me okay, like someone made a decision that was like counterintuitive that it was the right decision, I I'd be like, if we yeah, both I'm, know that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like Endorse. I'm not gonna <laughs> like I'm not gonna question their authority to do it in some sense. Like yeah. Yeah, I, but I, she I, does taint this with knowledge. No, I know. I just but yeah, move yeah. on from that because, <laughs> like, because because yeah, I think okay, smart could answer that first reason really decisively in my mind by just saying like, but yeah, if it's the right thing to do, then like you shouldn't care if it's you or another person who does it, right? Okay, let's okay. Yeah. Okay, what's the second reason then? Okay, so she says further, if one were to perform this action or even if one were to approach life in a way that was generally open to considering performing actions like this, when the utility calculus recommended it, this would be at odds with the aspiration to live in a way that meets one that meets one's fellow man and woman on equal and open terms as joint participants in a common practice or set of practices or even form of life. Okay, so... I take it that this response is supposed to mean like in the doctor example, there's a reason not to sacrifice the one patient to save the five because it would violate the aspiration to live in such a way that everyone is equal from the moral perspective. And again, like, cancelable take but like i'm not sure that i believe that like is everyone equal from the moral perspective like no so here's the thing no i don't catch that intuition yeah i I agree it says as joint participants in a common practice but to me it would be you'd be joint participants in a common practice if you kind of are both you know like both of the you know the the performer and like Mm -hmm. the audience or whatever both recognize it like you know you can't take knowledge out of it. it. This is like the right thing to do. It seems like to to not do it would be to remove yourself as a participant of a common practice. Like it's not common in that case almost. I'm not sure I'm getting your point. Maybe I'm missing it. 
the way I'm imagining it is right. So you're the doctor, right? Mm-hmm. And then there are like other patients or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say the one you have to kill, mm-hmm. right? I think if you're kind of describing a common practice, like because you know you're that's the thing you would be at, at odds with mm-hmm. um, here is you you aspire to um, be joint participants in common practice. If you kind of both recognize that you know this is for the good, yeah, but then you kind of don't grant someone the authority to do something in that case, it, it seems like it would be breaking a common practice. No, not. Well, I think that that's her point. It's breaking the common practice of like medicine in some sense, right? Like, there, no, a... it would be breaking the common practice to not kill the patient. It would be breaking common practice to not kill the patient. <laughs> what? What? Are you understanding this point, Adam? <laughs> I think the common practice in this in this case, given is that we don't kill the patient. Yeah, <laughs> like like that like. That is the common. Given's yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I work. Given's like not at my hospital. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Slice them open. Yeah. No, okay. Well, well ravioli for <laughs> Okay. Well, no, minus that. Given, given, I feel oh, like sorry. I very much just misunderstood you, so I'm sorry. But... So I get maybe I misunderstood what it means by the phrase "joint participants in a common practice." Okay, so like joint participants in a common practice, I think means, okay, like take any practice uh, that's a subset of like morality, like anything in like the legal domain, the medical domain, right? So in the medical domain, like a common practice that we have is that when you go to the hospital because you have a migraine, they're not going to use your organ, like kill you and use your organs to save eight people who need transplants, right? That's like a common practice. And if you're a joint participant in that common practice, it's like the analogy to a board game, right? Like you're playing the medical game yeah, in a way that you think relies on like that being a rule that constitutes the practice in the same way that if you're playing Settlers of Catan, I can't just build a road right over your road, even though, it, you know what I mean? Like in the, it, like you're, you'd be like, well, that, that's like a constitutive rule of the game. So what if you work for like the CIA Mm-hmm. And like well, a, that's yeah, exactly. Just like 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 the common rules, yeah. you know, of the practice is that you don't divulge information. Yes, one outside the the CIA, but you've come across information that you think would, if released to the general public, would you know bring about greater utility mm. than having not released it. But as a result of that, you know, um, let's say a hundred different workers are going to be fired as a result i mean are you not in that case like you know setting yourself are you not like kind of taking the authority to or kind of seizing authority in that sense are you not maybe not living in you know with the aspiration to live in a way that meets one's fellow man and woman on equal and open terms in, in practice yeah, it, it, it honestly seems like there are a lot of ways to just deny that point by saying just yeah, like, I, yeah. I, maybe 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 like in the medical field, I'm kind of maybe that specific example. I'm not it, sure. Yeah, okay. But the more... other ones, it's like, well, I certainly would like the CIA example. Is, like, is there an issue with that example that I just gave there? Like, I think like there's a common practice. You're mm. violating it. For the sake of 
let's say utilitarian aims, mm. you're certainly not living in a way to meet one's fellow man and woman on equal and open terms within the practice itself. Exactly. Cause you're violating a, a rule of the yeah. practice. Yeah. 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 Giffen, what do you think on that? Do you think, I think that was a fair point within the game itself. Yeah. It's, I, but I, in, I, in, I guess my point that so I was trying to make and failed to oh, um, before yeah, go, was go that ahead, yeah. there is still a, in a meta sense, like outside of like the substructure, a way in which you are still in like um, meeting them as equal uh, or, or excuse me, on equal and open terms. You no, know, you're right. You're totally right. Yeah. And that's why I'm kind of like. So like, even though, yeah. So like, as long as like that superstructure is still there, you know, um, then you're, st- I feel like you're still kind of, you're, you're not actually betraying that aspiration. <laughs> it's just in a different way that it's being, uh, re- like, you know, met. Okay. But then, like, but then it's like with the doctor example, like, are you really betraying that same aspiration then if you, you know, perhaps like use one individual's organs to save four? Um, because certainly like you are living in a way to sort of like, you know, in a way that meets one's fellow man and woman on equal and open terms. I mean, what if you're completely unbiased in how you approach that? And that, that is just like, you know, um, mm. I don't know maybe less so in that example. That, that one's hard. <sighs> so. there, there's like a way in which I'm actually becoming more, convinced of the way that smart would defend these practices honestly like the, the more we're talking because like okay it's like think about it why, why don't you like i'm i'm almost more drawn to okay you know you're a um shit i don't know okay okay here's 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 my problem right okay like Here's how smart would defend obeying a rule. I'm assuming he would say like, okay, if you're a doctor and you're presented with that situation where you can harvest the organs to save five people, you don't do it because if you did it, even if this instance produced better consequences, right? It's pretty easy to actually grant that, like saving eight people or whatever versus like one like, yeah, the family's going to grieve, but like those eight families won't. It's kind of easy actually to just grant that case. Um, he's going to say like, okay, but the reason why like you can't do that, even if that act is good, is because corrupting the medical system at like, like people losing faith in their ability to like go see a doctor for fear of being like just harvested in that manner yeah. is way worse. I wrote and, like, the phrase, you're sacrificing institutional buy-in. Yeah, exactly. That's so what it's I like, wrote. Yeah. Which so, has a social element and in my conception originally on first read had kind of a knowledge element. But again, we can yeah, that. exactly. Like, and, and also like that, that also explains why we should improve practices that already exist. So it's like, you know what I mean? Okay. Like if, if, if we have a practice that's constituted by a set of rules, but we notice that those are reliably causing us to go wrong in some way. Like smart, I feel like smart's in a better position to explain why we would improve the practice, right? Like, yeah, I, I agree, and I think it's also like an you know kind of an attack of maybe like an unsophisticated view of like you know broader consequentialism. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Utilitarianism yeah. is like 
part of consequentialism, right? It's like mm-hmm. it's like that's like a more specific yeah, yeah. view of consequences. So, but it, it's but with that specific example, it's just like unsophisticated because, as you know, Giffen pointed out there, um, yeah, it's like a consequence of that is you know mm. the institution takes a huge hit. Right. So it's actually yeah. not that clear that that is like, you know, so to say that, oh, yes, that is obviously, you know, the best thing to do. It's like, OK, well, <laughs> it's not that obvious. And if the answer is like it is still the best thing to do, all things considered, then you, you know, maybe the institution take that much of a hit. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, OK, it becomes maybe a little more clear. Yeah. All so, things considered. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Did Adam freeze for you? No, he's a he's oh, buffering yeah. a little bit. Um, no, I I I liked this paper at first, but now that we're like digging into it, I'm I'm not actually sure that I don't know. Like, I'm not actually sure that I wouldn't agree with Smart's way of defending these things more. Honestly, okay, can we? Can, can we like okay? Because I we obviously don't have time to like talk about the whole paper. Um, but like, insofar as it's connecting with what we've been talking about, um, okay, so the role of rules. Um, okay, so, so hmm, okay, I wonder if we're going to agree with this paper more than since we, I don't know. Okay, let, let me figure this out for a second. Okay, here's what I think Wolf is doing in this paper. Wolf defends the irreplaceable role that rules play in moral theory. Often rules are thought of as the bottom line of morality in that we often, uh, sorry, there's a typo to, uh, in that often violations of core rules uh, we view as just wrong. For utilitarians, rules are grounded in the aim of maximizing utility. And for Kantians, rules derive from a maxim to follow whatever version of the categorical imperative is best, right? I all of us are drawn to the more utilitarian perspectives. We should focus on that. But there's this philosopher, Gert. Uh, Gert's view does place rules at the center of morality. So Wolf kind of piggybacks this view and adds that morality is a narrower question than how one should live. Rather, it answers how to socially live. So kind of coming back to your idea, Giffen, about like, you know, is that like the way to ground these things? Yeah. Uh, seeing morality in this way, allows for a more plausible set of rules to govern a more well-defined area of life while also not consuming all of life in the way that utilitarianism or Kantianism does. Okay, I kind of feel like I actually agree with the earlier paper then more than the later one. In the sense that like, in the sense that if my summary is correct, like she, she is she's defending the value of rules within morality in a in a stronger way than she seems to be defending them in the later paper actually um but she's she's so the whole point of this paper is actually like i thought the explosion part of it was where she defined she like kind of reconceived of of what morality was actually referring to like it like she she makes the claim that morality does, doesn't refer to like all areas of life actually which was <laughs> which is kind of an interesting actually <laughs> i'm not sure that it's an interesting thing to read yeah um Why don't i don't we go know there? Um, yeah i was gonna say can we just skip to that part 
yeah, because yeah, I, I, I feel like this yeah. is on page this is on page two twenty seven, um, and I had like I had like three paragraphs just highlighted here, uh, or or two two actually, but they're two big ones. Um, okay, so she says, um, so so she's defending Gert's response here that rules are actually central to uh, to moral theory. Um, I'll just read this. Okay. This response to may accept the premise that moral philosophy or synonymously ethics should range over all the questions relevant to thinking about how one should live, but it insists that moral philosophy is one thing, morality, another more precisely morality is one thing that is relevant to the question of how one should live. And so it is a subject within the larger field of ethics. As Gert points out, there may be a great many things that contribute to living well, things one might offer as advice about how one should live and that we all might urge people to do. You know, greet everyone with a smile, learn how to draw. The best-selling series of life's little instruction books are full of such advice. I wrote um, the modern day or the a modern day thing would be like 12 rules for life. <laughs> um, but to take this advice as moral advice, to take the reasons to follow them to be moral reasons is both to fly in the face of ordinary linguistic usage and to forfeit a valuable linguistic tool for signaling, uh, for sing signaling, singling out, I'm sorry, one important set of concerns and questions from others. Uh, so, okay, so here is where she, like the explosion happens. So on Gert's view, Morality has a distinct and specific subject matter, much narrower than the question, how should one live? Morality has to do with the social life, with how to live with other people, and with how one wants, to, wants other people to live with you and those who you love. A few salient points are worth highlighting. We could, we could talk about those in general, but I, I totally agree with this, right? Like, that, that strikes me as so intuitive because if you're asking like yourself, okay, like how should one live? That includes moral uh, answers and amoral ones, right? I, I don't know. Like if, oh yeah. Okay. You, you get that too, Giffen. You're, I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? Okay. If someone asks you like, okay, like how do you think one should live? Like my answer very naturally is going to include moral answers and non-moral ones. Right? Yeah. Okay. I, no, okay. that's intuitive. Yes. Okay. But like the question, how to live with other people, that is that actually is the domain of morality, precisely. Like I totally agree with that, and in that way, like it is actually more amenable to um to is that the ex extent of morality? Just living with other people? I I believe so. It's it's well, how to live with other people? <laughs> Excuse me. How yeah, to live yeah. with? Other... I'm not sure if that if I buy into that. Really. Okay, I, I mean, cannot. Can I think shoot an a, elephant in the of head? Of course. Oh, okay. So substitute <laughs> substitute people for conscious beings. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good. Well, point. I mean, no, okay. that's actually a good point. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's actually a good point. Can I shoot an elephant? Jordan, in the head? Yes. <laughs> Not a person. Where do you think I just got back from? <laughs> <laughs> Some exposure. The, the Houston Zoo. <laughs> I just like Seneca rifle. <laughs> How should one live? <laughs> Worry not. This is with out, like outside the domain of morality. <laughs> so okay, okay. Yeah. Giffen, Giffen's addendum. 
how one should live with other conscious creatures. I yeah. think that's fair. Yeah. I, uh, it's, no, it's actually a really good. Uh, yeah, it's actually a really good. Uh, yeah. My dog's in the other room, so immediately I was like, I'm not sure if I buy that. <laughs> Just because of wailing on it. <laughs> Maybe that's Adam's stance. Yeah. <laughs> Never a fan of dogs. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, 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 I wonder, though, how you would construct this because um, because it's kind of like reciprocal in nature, right? Like with how mm. you live with other people um, and with how one wants other people to live with you. Mm. Uh, I wonder... Would you include all conscious creatures in that construction? Certainly not, right? I mean, like you, you wouldn't certainly not put, in the latter. Yeah, it, yeah, you wouldn't call it immoral. You would, you would never ascribe like moral behavior to like an elephant to a dog. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe especially like maybe a very spiteful elephant. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> negative morality. <laughs> That's it. You can only maybe. do things wrongly. <laughs> <laughs> Is like, actually true to that, though? Just like, it, it can never be a moral being, only an immoral. immoral. Yeah, yeah it's, no, it's either amoral or immoral. <laughs> <laughs> Adam's first paper, The Immorality of Elephants. Yeah, it's like, picture, if you will, a spiteful elephant. <laughs> Would it not deserve to be shot? <laughs> two, two tusks of duality. It's like... <laughs> it's like Dude, not even morality, just duality. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's either it's either the more the immoral elephant or the amoral elephant. I've seen the missing a- third elephant. Your, your whole argument is just like physiologically that they do not have three tusks. Yeah, it's just like I've actually seen it. Like I've spent thirty years with elephants. Just like I, they either seem to be like robots, or they, can, or or they get a certain look in their eye, and they can just, <laughs> and you can tell that they're like a fully moral agent. At that point. <laughs> but it's always but something they, wicked. Yeah, but they never act morally with that look in their eye. Right before terrorizing a village, that's when they gain <laughs> a- agency. <laughs> <laughs> anyways no that, that's my minor addendum i'd say but yeah otherwise i think that's kind of fair but yeah i think it yeah. just kind of made sense whenever i read it though oh, i like, totally agree because because i was just thinking yeah. about like what a reductio it is to imagine like you know um it's just like like i i honestly can't even imagine what the content of morality would be if you just pause it like okay like imagine just some like man on a desert island with like no other conscious creatures around him. Like th- there is no such thing as morality in that circumstance, right? Like he can't affect anything else in like any way, <clears throat> right? Yeah, I mean, do you have like some duty to yourself? Like, is there like, um, I don't, I don't know. I it would be hard to say that you like. It, it would it would it's there yeah do you have a, i don't know i'm just uh, something out there i don't know adam what was your question again i'm sorry i mean yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was we were just kind of like just throwing out the idea of like what if you were the only conscious creature like is there some sort of like is there still a moral sphere that you operate in like with respect to yourself but i don't i don't know so, i i almost at that point like i almost want to call that like 
not even sure what I want to call that at that point, but it does seem like something different than morality. Um, I, I, I think that's that. fair. Yeah. That. yeah. They're yeah. That. It's like you can be happier or, or less happy in that world, but it's like, it's not, like, it's kind of a moral question like from the perspective of the universe, but like, you know what I mean? Is it, it's yeah, not, so maybe it's, some aspect of it survives. Maybe, you know, maybe if you some, do take a, you know, yeah. you can have have higher utility with certain actions than others. Still, of course, true, but, true. You just bash your like head with a rock. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I feel um, like you you actually do like you know slough off a huge portion of morality in that yeah, case. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> She's like from the perspective of the universe, like you're like the only suffering. <laughs> it's like. Dark. Perfect suffering, and like the universe, the universe's perspective, like just doesn't care. <laughs> so, do you hear that ringing? Ringing? No, actually, good, no. Good. Okay. It's the tinnitus. We're <laughs> 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 shooting that elephant, in the head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Three days in the war. <laughs> The Great Elephant War. <laughs> the war on elephants. Um, okay, I think this is like, this is kind of the thing that... Oh, okay, so she says, okay, if you conceive of morality uh, with uh, tackling... it, Like, the purview of morality is social life, how to live with other people. There's a few consequences that result. Three. Okay, first, because our sociality is both a fundamental aspect of our human nature and a pervasive feature of our physical existence. It will play an extraordinarily important role in shaping our answers to the broader question of how to live. I, t- totally checks out for me. So like, I think what she's saying there is like, because we are so ingrained as like these social beings, um, morality is going to show up as very important in the larger question of how one should live as well. Right. Agreed. Okay. Nice. Um, Second, the importance and character of our interest that others live cooperatively and on an equal basis with us and those we care about gives us a unique and distinctive reason for wanting to insist that people behave in certain ways and refrain from behaving in others. That is, we have a reason for wanting to put pressure on people to treat others in certain ways that is lacking in connection with our reasons for wanting people to smile and to learn to draw. I totally buy this too. Like this, this is the part of her social command theory paper that I bought the most um, was that like, yeah, it, it's just so true. Like no one is an Island. Like, like we all depend on each other in like very, very distinct ways that like rely on us insisting that people do behave in certain ways and refrain from behaving in others. So I, I just, again, I just buy that point. Um, I guess like, I don't, I mean, I guess we're kind of building up to it. So yeah, yeah. Here, but I, I just like I. She's like defining what rules are for me right now. Like I, I know what. Yes. Rules are. Like, I, I, you know what I mean. Like that makes well, sense. Like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we want others to behave in certain ways because we live <clears throat> in a society. So, <laughs> the yeah. meme. But but yeah, I mean, like so. We want you know, to have a reason to either like punish mm-hmm. or, you know, um, just kind of cast moral aspersions, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If people are living in such a way that we would otherwise have them live, you know what I mean? Or prefer them to live. So yeah, that's why we have rules. 
So, yeah, and so she says, finally, understanding morality to be about a specifiable aspect of our lives implicitly acknowledges the existence of other aspects that are potential sources of value and of reasons to live one way rather than another. And I actually think that that is a much better way to resist the the like smart act utilitarianism like uh, response, right? Isn't that actually like a really like a much better way? So okay, she's saying like okay, if we understand morality to be about a specific aspect of our lives, namely the social ones, and there are rules there, and that this aspect is of great like it's a, it's 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 very important to the other aspects of our lives and our value too which we just do hold like that to me seems like a much stronger basis to if you do want to resist like violating a rule even when it maximizes utility that seems to be the better one to do it on it's like and i'm not saying that i would use that but like because she says, putting the last two points together, it seems that we have reasons for wanting to require of people that they behave in certain ways with respect to others, and reasons also for wanting not to require too much. We want, in other words, a set of requirements that are limited in their demands, so as to allow people the freedom to live lives that they can find to be good and rewarding. So, like, <clears throat> okay. Maybe this answers your question, Adam. I, I have this is where she spells out the role of rules. Okay. This is the next page. What we morally require of others and what others may legitimately require of us should not constrain our concrete physical options so much as to severely reduce our ability to find and to shape a way of life that is personally rewarding, nor should it constrain our psychological options so much as to interfere with our ability to love and to attend to those features of life that make it worth living. How can such requirements be specified? The most obvious, and I think also, I'm sorry, the most obvious and I think also the best way is by offering a set of rules. Okay, so she's saying like, okay, if I'm understanding her, she's saying like rules then under this conception serve to set like kind of a floor and ceiling almost. It's like rules are such that like you can't dip below them or like you ought not dip below them, but also like once you've met them, there's no imperative for you to like continue meeting them or like continue maximizing them such that you are like free to live the life of like a non-moral saint. Remember uh, from that paper. So it's like, I don't know. What do you, what Another you paper you can dip beneath though. I know. I, and in my reading response, yeah. I actually said like, there's a weird tension there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. like evaluating duty. that. Right. Yeah. That line mm -hmm. of duty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they're pretty connected. I, I do. I, yeah. Like, yeah. I, oh, they, intuitively, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But maybe she has some, some you know, sure, yeah. third, fourth, fifth paper that explains the relationship. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, <sighs> conceiving as rules of like, I don't know. What do you think about that idea on its own merits, though? Like, <clears throat> conceiving of the rules of morality such that they set like kind of a floor and a ceiling um so that if you act above the floor that's what's required of you and it's not required of you to go above the ceiling such that you know i mean we talked about this in like the moral saints paper like as someone who just maximizes utility even a person like scarcely so you know what i mean um 
I guess maybe I kind of lost that part. How is there both a ceiling and a floor? Because like where she doesn't mm. want to require too much out of anyone, right? So like they've got to, yeah. but also it's got to be sort of like a, a kind of a, a baseline set of rules mm-hmm. that we would all expect out of fellow human beings. So it's kind of like a single line in my mind. You know, See, when when she said, yeah, when she said we don't want to expect too much, that's what I saw as the ceiling. Not that you, not that it's immoral to go above, but a ceiling as to what the rules require of us. Agreed. I, I guess like there's a ceiling. I thought that I was kind of describing like a framework for the establishing that baseline. Mm. Yeah. It's like yeah, it, setting it, it the baseline. Too much. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, I almost see is like, you, you almost kind of like view like this area that you like enter into where mm. it's, there's both like a baseline, but then you can act up into a ceiling. But in reality is there's sort of just one line where it's not set too high and it's not set too low. See, I was conceiving it, the ceiling in the sense of the ceiling is sort of like the most that morality could require of you. But as she says, there are like other aspects of life too. So if you wanted to go above the ceiling of what morality required of you, it's not that it's impermissible to do so. How could one do that? How Go above above the ceiling of what morality requires of you? So if you think of morality as that like, Oh yeah. Toned down version that she's talking about. So if you're a, if you're a utilitarian, there is no such thing as above what morality requires of you because it's the maximum amount of play. It's like by definition, right? Um, but if you think about like, okay, you know, there's not a great way to actually like put it into words, but like, you know, creating like a certain, so you can't do certain things to establish the floor, right? So you can't create like huge amounts of suffering, for instance. Um, Then at the same time, there's sort of, it's not a ceiling as in it's a limit. Like it's not that you can't do something above it, but in the sense that like, if you're thinking of morality as like a set of rules that are more clearly defined, it's like, you know, like you've satisfied your moral duty if you give, 20% 20% of your income to Oxfam or whatever, right? But like, if you personally are just enamored with Oxfam and you just like love that organization, you give 25%, that's like kind of above and beyond like the ceiling of what morality is requiring. That, like, it's, it's, that it's above a ceiling or above a floor? No, because like, what, what if per se, like the floor would be just like that you give anything at all? But it like, but morality is not going to require you to give more than twenty percent or what? Like, it's a super contrived example. But like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm just having a hard time conceptualizing like the ceiling yeah, yeah, yeah. analogy. To be honest, I, I I think I think we might be talking past each other. Like, I know what you're talking about, Jordan. I just feel like mm. this paragraph doesn't say that per se. Like, I feel like because what you're talking about there wouldn't necessarily be a rule, right? Like, yeah, like, the same example. Like, the rule mm. would be. No, get, fair enough. If you're talking you about just I mean? rules, like we're talking, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's not. You wouldn't call it a rule. That's fair. You wouldn't call it a rule. It could be sort of a byproduct of the rule, but it wouldn't I, be a rule. I, I view I view like the rules is like the baseline. Yeah, so where it's like, of course, <sighs> above, um, you could give the twenty percent to Oxfam. Yeah, twenty percent of your income to Oxfam, but it's certainly. Certainly, I'm not sure that 
charity yeah. is a rule maybe so what do you <clears throat> we honestly should wrap up soon but like what what do you make of the idea that okay if she's like narrowing the scope of morality then yeah does that give her is that like a better basis to resist the um smarts act utilitarianism uh challenge like if if she's if she's narrowing the scope of morality and within that scope like heightening the the role that rules play there like could could you does that give her the ability to say like no i'm not going to um convict the innocent person even if i know the outcome would be better because like because in an, a non-moral way like like adhering with law as someone who's been like a judge for 30 years is just like something that you value like you you don't want to break the the rules of that practice because like it's a game that you've been playing for so long or something like that is that is that like a better it's a good question i almost feel like my and my instinct could be wrong i just want to preface that but like i i it almost seems like a lot of it's baked into morality for me where it's just like Hmm. like what once again the law example i can't help but going to like okay well they're like why are the rules of this institution you know what i mean like if the Mm. the institution you know lead to a better world and like like those values of the institution that's like okay that's like a serious consequence yeah we're examining here as opposed to just like (sighs) yeah the practice itself being unquestioned so you're still drawn to the way that you're still drawn to the way that smart would defend it then i think so yeah 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 i think that's fair yeah (laughs) and to be honest at the end uh, to jump back to the uh, previous paper for a second the two concepts um wolf kind of ends it by kind of like acknowledging that smart would be right in certain like Uh, counterclaims like do you remember that like her last line is once again smart would be right so she kind of like acknowledges that like smart would have responses to all these things yeah Um, uh well well, well, the relevant part is right before that i think she says um (laughs) Accepting the practice conception of rule utilitarianism, yeah. Smart might grant, allows this question to be more clearly posed in a way that makes clear the possibility of a variety of answers that avoid the charge of rule worship. But it does not answer that question. It only pushes the debate to a deeper level. Once again, Smart would be right. So yeah, I literally, that's exactly like, what I was thinking of. I literally were like, what a wolf way to end the paper. Because it's like, <laughs> what we're doing right now, where it's just more of like an examination of just like, yeah okay it's not really rule worship like like why are we preserving the practices yeah of this specific institution and, and if and they're also, preserving you know for other consequences then yeah like it, yes. it actually makes sense and okay doesn't smart's way of defending doesn't smart's way of viewing this debate actually make sense of like i, I don't know about you guys but like this goes back to the above and below the line of duty paper when like, okay, when I think I have a moral duty to do something like the reason why I feel obligated to do it is like, because it's the right thing to do. Like there, there's some sense in which like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example where it's like, I don't want to do the right thing, but I do it. And I literally have the experience of like doing it out of pure, like, 
you, you know what I mean? Like you're almost like driven from behind by like, fuck, you recognize like that, that is the right thing to do. And like, I'm not going to be a bastard here. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like the, 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 I, this doesn't actually happen. I'm just trying to come up with like a reasonable example, but like, <laughs> no, no, it actually hasn't. <laughs> so I, imagine I, there's an elephant in the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Murderous, traitorous thing they are. I hate them. I'm sorry, please. Oh, um, this has actually never happened to me, but um, uh, I I could well imagine like my reaction to this. Okay, like you know, I'm a grad student. It's not a particularly lucrative, you know, (laughs) thing to do in life. Hmm. You find a wallet that has like so much cash in it that you're sure that this person's rich like if they're carrying him out like around like five hundred dollars in cash or whatever like okay you're like this guy doesn't need this money you know what i mean no one carries around five hundred dollars if they don't if that's not discretionary funds he's bank account come on <laughs> is a little slip that says life savings <laughs> <laughs> it carries life savings in his pocket yeah he was transferring it from the bank <laughs> And you've just like, and I can imagine that like you've just like broken a bone or whatever, right? And you had to go to Med Express to get it set, and you're like, "Fuck!" This like blows up your, like budget. your your budget. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, there, I can totally imagine the impulse to be like, you know, or like, what no, if there's but- like you look at the guy's insurance card in his wallet also, and you're like, "Fuck!" He drives like two Lamborghinis or whatever. You're like, "Okay, this guy definitely doesn't like." He, you know what I mean? Like, this guy definitely yeah. doesn't need the money. Why wouldn't you just like, okay, like remove? You know, what if I get caught or whatever? Take yeah. out the money, still give the guy's wallet back, and be just like, "I'm sorry, dude, I found it without any money in it." Like, I I could well imagine me doing like like being like fuck and just returning it with the money and if i did that it would be out of purely obligation to like what the moral thing to do is right like doesn't i don't know there's like some way in which like how how does like i guess i guess wolf would just say like that's just a like that's a value that i hold and like i don't know i almost lost my own point there (laughs) yeah i don't know i mean it you might feel guilty if you like didn't have like her perfect knowledge, but say you do like perfect knowledge here. Like he, he doesn't even know that he lost his wallet. You know that he doesn't even know he lost his wallet. He will never notice the difference. And if he returned it, he would feel, you know, it would be, might, might feel a bit, you know, he's almost ambivalent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like, it is what it is, you know? So it's like, yes. I already bought a new one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I already bought five new hundred dollars. <laughs> but yeah i mean like in a circumstance like that like if if you were given all that information might be like i don't know i i mean maybe not too might not feel bad at all yeah you make a strong internal argument that you're maximizing utility you know yeah okay it's aligned with the universe's perspective Right. Here, here, yeah. Here's the deal. Like, I, I think we're at the point where we Dude's should. Dude's like, where's my up. coke money at? <laughs> <laughs> like, there, the universe, I think, says to take the money and set your phones back. <laughs> the universe's perspective. Yeah. <laughs> the universe is getting coked up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 
satisfactory um, points with these papers. But at the yeah, same, I know it's probably on me. I agree. So, it's it's got to be on us because, like, yeah, you usually. I said this at the beginning. I, I don't know. Like, I I think these. I think the way to conclude this is just by saying like, okay, there's definitely like really interesting questions that are raised here. And like, maybe actually if like people are listening to this, if they're binging it, maybe, maybe actually like having listened to some previous episodes, like maybe there's actually like a clear answer that we're missing here or just like a way in which we're understanding her or misunderstanding her. I don't know. I, I guess like my main problem, at least with this paper role of rules yeah. is that, and this is once again, probably my fault, but I understood like the practical pragmatic reasons for having rules. Mm -hmm. Um, But I felt like she was trying to sell me something more. I felt like, I felt like there was like some deeper meaning to rules that she was saying are like the center of often like moral frameworks. Yeah. And I'm like, I understand why we have rules. Yeah. I understand the utility of rules. Yes. Yeah. But on a deeper level, which of which was I, I was convinced she was trying to sell me that rules are deeply meaningful. And I got to Is a it... point where I understood that they were pragmatic. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just I I didn't I don't know. I'm not sure I buy the deeper. Yeah. All right. Against my better judgment, can I just like wager a, a get go at it? Um, yeah, of course. Okay. So like, okay, okay. So think about like the two main theories that we're familiar with. Like, <laughs> Giffen made me laugh this time. <laughs> what, what did I do? Impossible. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Because I think I think I'm rubbing off on him with the absurdity. It's like, it's like you. Uh, can I wager a guess? It's like no. <laughs> <laughs> we both leave it. <laughs> the video call. It's just, it's just a lot. <laughs> it might also be relevant. I wonder if it's also relevant to say that we're recording this a bit later that night than we've recorded the, the last few episodes. Yeah, I think it's definitely playing a role for me. Okay. Um, what if she? What if she's trying to say like, okay, think about the two the two moral theories that we are the most familiar with. That for for consequentialist reasoning, following rules is good insofar as it maximizes utility, which is like a shallow way of valuing rules, right? Yeah. For a Kantian, kind of the same thing, right? Following rules is good insofar as it conforms with like duty, you know, respecting people, treating them as autonomous, you know, right? So it's again, it's sort of instrumental almost in a way. Yeah, and the rules yeah, are very... out if, if they don't meet those aims. Exactly, you know? exactly. Okay. Um, but, so both utilitarianism and Kantian ethics place another value sort of like at, at a more root level than the rules, right? So it's maximizing utility, it's, it's adhering to like respecting other individuals, right? Okay. And the rules result from trying to follow that value. So you're maximizing utility or never never violating like a, a, a rule or whatever, a, a law of the categorical imperative, right? But she's almost like saying, no, rules are more central than that. And I, and I think like that's the point that she's trying to make. But honestly, like maybe we've just been talking for too long. Like I'm, I'm failing to understand like the punch of why they're more central um yeah 
but like i i think i understand like what she's trying to say maybe i don't understand like how she's trying to say it at this point it'll be worth a reread um, for me yeah i i agree okay maybe maybe she she sometimes does this with the conclusion um <clears throat> Let me just read this. This is my last. This is my last go, and we're gonna end the call. No matter what, after this, <laughs> <laughs> my thumbs on the button. <laughs> <clears throat> so she says, another group of moral theorists, we might call them social moralists, has, I believe, still more reason to give rules a central and ineliminable place in their theories. The question will be raised: Is uh, the question will be raised, is one of these conceptions of morality the right one? Is there a fact of the matter about what morality fundamentally is? My own response to this question is yes and no. And she concludes the paper by saying, um, so there's one way, one way, uh, as I said in the beginning of the essay, such rules as don't kill, don't lie, keep your promises do for many people constitute the paradigm or the core of morality. It is the default position of what morality on the man is to the man on the street. Uh, if our subject matter is to be rooted in ordinary conceptions of morality, it is plausible to root it in this. But there's another way, and that is that there is an important and distinct question to be asked. What ought we require of each other in order to live peaceably and well in a common world? There is, in other words, reason to be interested in a distinct set of rules to which punishment is legitimately attached, which people have reason to obey and to encourage others to obey in the interest of social peace and well-being. In other words, if these rules were not already out there in the consciousness and discourse of the men and women on the street, <clears throat> in the institutions of parents, teachers, rabbis, and priests, in the conversations we have with each other, we would have to invent them. It would not be absolutely necessary to refer to this as the set of moral rules or to refer to the larger system of ideas and values that concern living cooperatively and on an equal basis with, more, with others as morality but it would not be a bad idea. So like, <clears throat> I'm actually wondering based on reading that now, and this is the last thing I'll say, cause I am, I am near brain dead at this point. I wonder if this is actually a super circular argument by Wolf in the sense that like, and I kind of mean that in a derogatory way in the sense that, okay, she's saying like, well, what, what, what role do rules serve in a utilitarian conception, right? They only serve to maximize the good. Right. And that's kind of a shallow thing. But then she's saying like, okay, like she says, there is in other words, reason to be interested in a distinct set of rules to which punishment is legitimately attached, which people have reason to obey and to encourage others to obey in the interest of social peace and well-being. Is that yeah. not like doing the same thing there? Like yep. Defi yep. defining rules as like that, which gives us the possibility of living a good life, which on like a really plausible consequentialist basis. Like you would say like, okay, that's the basis for rules. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it actually seems like <clears throat> a mission of rules for me. Like I, I didn't come out of this with like a totally new conception of rules. Mm. Like that just seemed like, yep, we have mm. rules, um, you know, for yeah. which we expect out of other people. Like, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. And it's like, uh, and we could legitimately, you know, apply punishment if these, you know, uh, rules aren't followed. Okay. Yeah. I follow that. That's why we have. Yeah. 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 I, and it's like, these are very, very deep and central to morality. Well, they certainly help people, you know, like the, the man on the street, it even helps us too. I mean, it's like, mm. it's good to kind of have some, 
some rules that generally follow from morality, you know, like whatever kind of conception of morality you have, like it's good to have a certain set of rules and they all kind of follow pretty logically. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever sense of morality have, like don't lie, don't steal, don't like generally, right? Like in most of the pretty good rule of thumb. So. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> all right. Well, I, I I think that these two papers are the papers I've disagreed with the most out of all of them we've read, and they happen to be on the same episode. I have tr- I had trouble with these papers. I, yeah. yeah. Okay. If you're listening, please don't stop listening to us based on this episode. This could be the worst of the series, I think, honestly, because I don't know why. I just I'm not sure that. I I also wonder what what role um, doing two papers in an episode did to us also because we're back to one a week from now on. So I, if this episode is bad to the listeners, like I guess give us a mulligan. Like that's that's what I'm thinking about right now. <laughs> were you gonna say? Good? <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, Don't treat us like the elephants. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is tangential, but I think uh, the two papers think probably is a negative aspect in part because they were written not together like that's true that's true so like and, they, 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 there could be a different yeah. kind of priors that she's yeah. writing from like you know because of personal growth and stuff yeah. so i think that adds to some some tension because they were like a decade and, and a half apart too. Yeah, exactly that's what yeah, i mean yeah, like yeah, yeah. and i yeah. kind of liked i liked the 2000 was it 16 16 i i kind of liked that one more than the older one yeah I, oh I, oh interesting. the two I, concepts I, the two concepts like i thought um I didn't agree with that one per se, but oh, it, I, I, I was definitely. I like the topic. I, hmm. I liked the topic. I yeah. liked the paper, and I thought it was very interesting. Like at least, like kind of the framework hmm. I was playing. Yeah. The rule of rules. I just kind of when I reached the end there and read that conclusion, I'm like, yeah. I don't like this. Didn't really change my perspective on. It. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I yeah. didn't buy into that it was something very deep. Um, and yeah. So. Yeah. Know. Maybe um. Maybe what maybe what we can do. Let, let me look at the syllabus real quick, um, because I'm just thinking about like. Okay, so there's two more. Okay, there's two more. Uh, there's two more papers. Two two more weeks of like within moral philosophy. So let's read those with an open mind. See where they go. But I'm also thinking about like, I don't know. I, I I'm like this like just for us three or whatever. Like I wonder if um after the semester over winter break like because i know adam you and i were talking about like okay i kind of want to get my head straight about like what i think about consequentialism in general like maybe over winter break we might circle back around and do some like addendum episodes and read other other people about about these topics too because i don't know if this interests like you as much giffen but like no i'd be interested yeah. yeah. I mean, I, at, I, at a certain I, point, I'm, I'll be interested in stepping away from Wolf a little bit. <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, I am interested in just like a system of ethics mm. that is a little more well thought out than my current. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> current system of ethics. It's impossible to harm an elephant. <laughs> It's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but in like a rebuke all sense. suggestions of altered morality of, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. approach me. Yeah. So in the moral it's system, it's all too possible to harm yeah. it. <laughs> 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 all right, shit. All right, which, uh, okay, we should we should end the episode at least. Yeah, because right, I, yeah. I I've still got laundry to do. No, I know, I know, me too. Okay, if pe- people are listening again. Listen to the next episode before, like, dear God, listen to the next episode before unsubscribing. And and, and with that, tune in next time.
If you want to um, support the show in any way, you can do so simply by sharing it. I'm hoping to get this show out to more people. And so if you want to share it on Twitter or social media, that would really help me. Uh, You can also rate it on Apple Podcasts, like this video if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe uh, via Apple Podcasts or an RSS feed. Or you can connect me with recommended guests or topics to cover. Uh, You can get in contact with me at Plato's Cave Podcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Jordan underscore C underscore Myers. And I now have a website for my philosophy endeavors at jordanmyers.org. If you want to know a little bit more about me and my fellow co-hosts, I'm a master's student in philosophy at the University of Houston. I did my undergrad at the University of Pittsburgh, where I studied mechanical engineering and philosophy. And now that I'm back at school, I'm hoping to more closely study moral responsibility, free will, ethics, epistemology, and moral psychology. Those are topics that I was introduced to and got really interested in in my undergrad work. Adam and Giffen accompanied me on this show, and Adam is one of my oldest friends. We actually met in kindergarten, and we've been interested in philosophical topics for as long as we can remember, and in a lot of ways, it's been the basis of our friendship. Adam studied chemistry and biology at Cornell, and he's especially interested in moral responsibility as well, but also law, religion, and free will. Giffen is also one of my oldest friends. We've been friends since elementary school as well. Giffen studied biology and economics at RPI, and now he works in human health research. And he's particularly interested in exploring political philosophy. With, uh, with all of that information, again, I hope that you enjoyed this episode, and I hope that you get in contact with me or, or follow my work in any way that you deem reasonable to do. So with that, thank you for listening.